This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put He's going What's he up the right sideline? He's got to go. He's tackled Sam Houston. Wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Welcome, everyone, to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Ishmael Johnson. This is episode 164, according to Mallory, producer. Uh, not taking her word for that, because I do not count these on my own. So thank you for that, Mallory. That's my job to count those. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So as you see from Mallory's tone, she is indeed with us here today. Uh, uh, with us from Central Texas, undisclosed location yes. down there, Mike Craven. Mike, how are you, buddy? Doing pretty good. How are y'all? Doing well, yes. man. Doing well. We're uh, going to start off with some news and notes here to open up the show before we do our picks for the week and preview all the games this weekend. Um, Mike, I don't know if you saw this uh, yesterday. I think Ross Dellinger from SI dropped some mi- minor attempting to be major news. Um Basically, Conference USA with all this realignment stuff happening. Of course, the AAC getting some schools picked off to the Big 12. Of course, Conference USA, the AAC, the Sun Belt, all these other conferences, Mountain West, are probably in in a state of kind of hesitation right now. We're kind of waiting for the next domino to fall. So so Conference USA decided they were going to be a little bit ambitious. And by ambitious, I mean they were going to chuck a full court shot. Shoot or shoot. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Shooters shoot because Conference USA executives sent a letter Tuesday. uh, And of course, you can go to SI.com to read this, to read the letter to uh, the AAC, basically pitching a regionalized model of a a realignment based on regions of both conferences as an essential super conference that still works as two conferences but more or less works as like a handshake, like, hey, we're kind of into this together, right? And it came out today, I think Brett McMurphy tweeted this out today, the AAC has not bothered to even respond to this yet (laughs) because, one, there's no reason to. Um, And, you know, I guess credit to Conference USA for maybe trying this, but it's not going to happen. I think it's hilarious that they would try. Um, I think, let me see the quote here from Brett McMurphy was, however, quote, there is absolutely no interest from the AAC to do so. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, Mike, what were your thoughts when you first saw that come out? Yeah. When I first saw, I made a joke on Twitter that it was going to get recent to cinder, you know, like <laughs> they were just going to just act like they weren't in those office buildings anymore. Maybe forward it to the mountain West or something like that. Right. Um, as a fan, it'd be fun, right? Like sure. you look at the possibilities and the travel options and just kind of the regional aspect of it. And you're like, okay, I, I see why logically it makes sense, but I, I don't see why the AAC would do it. Uh, one, because it would just lower the the money given to each right. pro, There's you know, no the more schools you add in there, the more you got to split the pie and, and they're going to bring in a larger chunk of that pie than um, the teams that are joining from conference USA in this, in this theoretical uh, situation here. So I, I understand uh, why Conference USA would kind of, you know, like we were joking, you know, shoot or shoot, you got to take that shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the landscape of college football is, is changing so quickly now that it probably is smart to at least put some feelers out there. And maybe something comes of this that isn't exactly this idea, but is along those lines. Um, so I, I get why Conference USA would do it, but I also get why 
the American would would just not even bother putting together a response because one, you don't want to pencil you, pencil yourself into something bad, you know. Right. Yeah, I think the other thing was that stood out to me was this is also a little bit of Conference USA kind of reading the writing on the wall, like because they know that the AAC is looking to expand and some of their members are prime targets, right? Like some, like a UAB, like a UTSA. Uh, of course, some, some Mountain West schools are potentially there too, but they kind of see like, hey, what if we actually work together instead of you taking some of our schools? And, you know, again, it's it, there's it's realignment. And it's, again, a huge dominoes are about to fall in the next probably three to six months. So there's no bad ideas, but it was pretty humorous to see like, no, we don't need to, you don't need to take our schools. We'll just all join together. We can actually work together on this. Cause like you mentioned, the AC is just like, no, 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 you need us. We don't need you. Yeah. I kind of thought it was like uh, when you're newly single and you kind of like figure out how to tweet or Instagram that out. <laughs> yeah. it's kinda, it's like, it's like uh, you know, we're single here, you know, we're, we're willing to dance with whoever wants to dance. You right. know, it kind of, it kind of felt like that. And so that's kind of why I said, I, I get why it, it happens. Cause even if the American doesn't take you up on it, mm-hmm. maybe another conference like the Sunbelt or the Mountain West, you know, maybe sure. somebody thinks about, okay, maybe we can form some, um, alliances here at, at a lower level that kind of help our trajectory or help our members kind of get a little bit more shine than they're not getting right now. Sure. And of course, us here at uh, Texas football would love for more Texas schools to be in the same region. So we wouldn't have to have, you know, have to care about the Sun Belt when there's only one Texas school mm-hmm. in there or things like that. Um, so, you know, it would be great for us if some of these conferences would think that way. But, you know, we'll see how things fold out. Anyway, let's get on to our games this week. We have two buys, uh, SMU and Houston. SMU has Tulane next week, and Houston has East Carolina next week before they gear up for their game against, against each, each other. other. Yes, yeah. which should be a great one So excited. Uh, towards the end of this month. So I will, t- I will let Mallory take it from here. We'll go ahead and start off with North uh, North Texas hosting Marshall this Friday, October 15th at 6 p.m. You can watch this game on CBSSN. And the line is 11. Marshall, of course, favored in this game. Uh, so UNT's had quite a week. Yeah. Um, not only did they uh, lose to Missouri and try to and ruin a lot of people in Vegas' lives by a backdoor cover. On uh, in the yeah. Also, uh, Deontay Simpson got kicked off the team, uh, I believe, yesterday. Effective immediately. Effective immediately. Last night, yeah. Um, yeah, the recording of this on Wednesday, so Tuesday night. And um, looking, um, this goes out to, the credit to John Fields and Matthew Bruni at Mean Green 247, who reported that he was booked by the, into Denton City Jail at 837 um, and for, quote, assault causing bodily injury to a family member. So, of course, that is what it is. Unfortunate situation there. Um, mm-hmm. And it just kind of, it's just more, and it's obviously a different type of bad news, but it's just more bad news piling onto a program that's already kind of consumed in a rut, by, exactly, right. consumed by a lot of, you know, again, different circumstances very much, but consumed by a lot of negative aura, negative uh, mm-hmm. energy going around right now with, of course, losing. And you're kind, I mean, geez, I, I think Matthew Bruni put it on the 247, uh, the their mean green page have you looked at the receivers that have come through the program since 2018 outside of i mean tommy bush was a big get for them obviously but he's Mm -hmm. been hurt do they maybe have two players 
who are contributors. Right. And it's starting to look like not only we talk about like, oh, Mason Fine was a lot of the reason why they are where they are. It's starting to look like they lucked into guys like Jalen Darden, yep. Guyton, and Bussy. Yeah. Because like there's no other receivers here on this list. And they they signed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, including Tommy Bush, who's injured. Out of those ten, I see maybe two contributors mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you can go to this uh he posted on his twitter matthew bruni did you can go to this link and check up check out the names for yourself because it's it's very much kicked off team transfer right. transfer battling injury and it's just like there's just no good news right. coming for this program and so looking and so looking into this game i don't know what unt does better than marshall mm-hmm. i know what unt is kind of good at running the ball right but marshall runs the ball better they can also throw the ball too. <laughs> so it's like too, it's so. like what is what does UNT have to offer in this game? I mean, they're going into this game potentially about to lose their fifth straight game of Jeez. the season. You know, yeah. that that just does not bode well for the program. It doesn't bode well for South Latrell. I don't know. Yeah. That's a you're a double dog digit a uh, double digit dog at home. That's that's rough. Looking up though, UNT has covered the points in three of their last five matchups. Yeah. That's so okay. at least they're 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 attempting to cover from, the spread. From that perspective, you might yeah, you might want to throw something <laughs> on Texas Craven. So are yeah. <laughs> I, I care more about covering the spread than I do yeah, about I know I was about to say. <laughs> um, no, I mean yeah, like y'all, like you guys said, I mean there, you don't need any more distractions when you're one and four and and looking at your fifth straight loss. Um, I'll be at, at that game mm-hmm. um, Friday since it's Friday night before I go to the Waco BYU game. On Saturday, so um, I, I'm you know excited to get up there and see it. They need a quick start, you know. Yeah. I, I think if you look back over their last few games, they they've made a rally, but they're so far behind by the fourth quarter um, that there's no real shot. So uh, get that running game going. Maybe a couple things happen good to you because you're at home. Maybe you get a fumble, you get a, a weird bounce, something like that. Get some momentum early. Um, but yeah, it just does not feel like the program is where it should be. And uh, you know, you mentioned the wide receivers, you know, spot. When, when you're struggling getting quarterbacks, you kind of understand that. That's a hard position to recruit specifically mm-hmm. at a G5 program. Wide receivers shouldn't be, though. I mean, mm-hmm. wide receivers grow on trees, especially in Texas with how 7-on-7 seven seven has kind of mm-hmm. taken over the state and spread offenses and stuff like that. You should be able to find some weapons. Um, so that that's a concerning thing that North Texas, specifically being a, a team considered a passing team, can't find weapons on the outside to help you know the quarterback situation get cleared up a little bit. One thing I will say that may go in their favor could play into this game, you know, especially being at home. Uh, Marshall's quarterback Grant Wells has multiple—I uh, believe he has four multiple interception interceptions game this year, so he yeah. can turn the ball over. His ratio is like eight to nine. Yeah, I think it's really, touchdowns it's a, interceptions. Really is he, he can throw the ball, but he's very mistake prone. Yes, I want to say he has—I want to say all four games are at least two or three mm-hmm. interceptions. So. He's capable of mistakes. Um, it's about obviously capitalizing on those mistakes, which right. Texas has not been not. very good at. So, but opportunities may be there, and you know if opportunities are there, who knows what can happen? I still, I think North Texas could cover. I'm still, I would still take Marshall outright, but mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna give the Mean Green the benefit of the doubt when it comes to covering. So, I will too. Yeah. I like it. What's next? Up next, number 25, Texas, hosting number 12, Oklahoma State, this Saturday, October 16th at 11 a.m. You can watch this game on Fox. The line's at five and a half. Texas is favored going into this game. Yeah, strength versus strength. Texas' offense versus Oklahoma State's defense. Um, Craven, are you surprised that Texas is favored? No, I mean, 
they do have the, they have the better talent. I don't think Oklahoma State has like that win on the schedule where you mm-hmm. can point at and go, okay, we know what this team is. And mm-hmm. Spencer Sanders can be you know, erratic, especially Thank on the road. So I, I think you add all those things together, plus the normal three points you tend to get for being the home team. And I kind of understand why neutral site you would think Texas minus two and a half, considering that first half they put together last week against Oklahoma. My thing is I, I just don't know how to trust a team with offensive line, defensive line that that's bad. You mm-hmm. know, it, it's just not a good team up front. You think with another week they, they get a little bit better. I know they made some changes o- along the starting lineup on the offensive line for Texas, so it'll be interesting to see how those work out. Um, but like you said, strength versus strength, it'll be uh, – I think the, the telling matchup here is going to be Texas's offensive line versus Oklahoma State's defensive line. I just don't trust the Longhorns to get that done. And then it comes down to to what Spencer Sanders we get. If it's a good Spencer mm-hmm. Sanders, I'm taking Oklahoma State. If Texas can coax a few interceptions out of them, I think the Longhorns can figure out a way to score enough points to beat this team. Yeah, uh, Texas can be without Jordan Whittington and uh, Jacoby Jones on defense. Um, of course, both I think both are having surgery. Uh, I don't know if they've officially announced them being out for the year, but I'm always wary about having players come back for any time after, especially somebody like Jordan Whittington who's gone through injury battles. Um, I know his is a clavicle, I believe. Um, both, of course, went out during the Oklahoma game. Um, so, you know, yeah, it is tough because Spencer Sanders is mistake-prone, and I think this will be – Basically, which strength breaks first? Oklahoma State's defense is actually second in the nation in red zone scoring attempts. They only allow 1.2 red zone scoring attempts per game, which is tied with Georgia, which is kind of wild. Again, when you think about Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy, like you just think about offense and th- that variation of, of the spread. Um, they're 30th in the nation in sacks per game. And you mentioned the offensive line for Texas. Huge, huge, huge mistake. A uh, huge, huge, huge uh, area for mistakes if they can't protect uh, Casey Thompson. I will say one thing that Casey Thompson's pretty good at is getting rid of the ball. Sark is very deep. when he when Sark knows that the offensive line is, is an issue. That's when he can dial up those screens for Xavier Worthy. That's when he can get Bijan Robinson involved, maybe a little bit more in the passing game. I think that's where this game breaks. Um, I don't think we're going to get a Bijan Robinson special. You know, I don't. I don't think he's going to have two fifty or whatever, two hundred yards. But I think we'll have a decent game uh, because I do know Oklahoma State's defense is vulnerable against the run. They're not great. They're not. They're not bad, but they're very vulnerable as opposed to being pretty great against the pass. So I think Texas ekes this one out. I think it's going to be a game where Casey Thompson has a couple breaks in the passing game and you see Xavier Worthy get free once or twice. You see maybe B. John Robinson on a wheel route get get free once or twice and that kind of breaks the game open. I don't think they're all, uh, Oklahoma State's offense is good enough to chase a game. This is going to test Texas mentally. You know, yeah. you, you come off that – everybody always talks about the Oklahoma-Texas game and kind of how the teams play the week prior. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that week after can be a, a weird spot as well. I mean, it's a letdown emotionally whether you win or lose that game. It's just such a big event and it's such an emotional game with the fans kind of being half and half. We talked about that last week, how it just swings so quickly and so often that it can be an emotionally draining game to get back up after you lose a heartbreaker, I mean, really two in a row to Oklahoma is going to be interesting to see kind of how Sark is able to get that team to play because in theory, everything's still out in front of them. They went out they're in the big 12 championship game in theory with a rematch against Oklahoma. So uh, it'll, it'll be, we'll learn a lot about the metal of this Texas team with how they come out and play 
and how they handle that loss against Oklahoma. Because I, I think in a lot of ways, it's a lot more damaging of a loss than the one to Arkansas. But it also can be something that really pulls this team together. We've seen Oklahoma do that a lot in the Big 12, where they lose a game early, and it seems like that makes them better. And then they show up in the Big 12 championship game, get revenge, and move on to a big bowl game. So Texas has a chance to do that if they can kind of you know, regroup and, and focus on this game. Speaking of looking at a, what a team does after a big game, Mallory, what game is next? <laughs> we have number tw- te- number 21, Texas A&M, traveling to Missouri this Saturday at 11 a.m. This game will be on SEC Network, and Texas A&M is favored by nine. All right. You mentioned it, Craven, with the last game. Uh, how does, <laughs> how does uh, Texas A&M handle the biggest win in recent program memory? It's kind of the opposite. Um, it, you know? Yeah, it's about yeah. It's literally it's the opposite where they're feeling good, everything's going great. Uh, I believe Jaden Peavy gets back. I know he came off the field against Bama, so they get Jaden Peavy back. They're going to be a little bit healthier. They get Zach Calzada playing the game of his life. Everybody's feeling the defense is feeling themselves again. What are you looking for from the Aggies in this game against a Missouri team that's not very good? Mm-hmm. But we also saw this A and M team lose to Mississippi State. Yeah, I think this is one of those where that locker room needs to prove that it's not going to be a team that plays down or up to its level of competition. Mm -hmm. You know, I I think that is one thing that Jimbo Fisher, I think I'd be more worried about a letdown if A&M was undefeated right now. Sure. Um, But but they've lost two games. They know they're capable of losing to teams that they're not as, or that they are more talented than. So I'd imagine Jimbo has their attention this week to tell them, look, everything that you put into the Alabama game, you're going to need to put in again this week. Um, Missouri's just not very good. I mean, we, we watched that North North Texas game. I know that North Texas kind of came back there towards the end, but Missouri still wasn't a very impressive uh, team during that game. So give me A&M with the points. Uh, Zach Montana is going to have another big game. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think A&M rolls pretty easily here. Yeah, I think that I think the game plan we saw last week from AM, and I know it was Alabama, and I know there's, you know, very, very obvious uh, caterings you do to when you play Alabama, but I think we should need something similar because, yeah, uh, they're, they're, so Missouri's defense is not good against the run, right? They're 130th, basically. They're average against the pass. And so I don't want this to be a situation where they see it as a, com- a confidence builder for Zach Calzada. Oh, he's this is going to be a game where he throws 30, 35 times. We're going to see more of a split. I was about That's to say, what I was I, thinking. Exactly. This is another game where you saw 50, the game 50. plan, how it worked last week. And don't let them trick you into thinking just because they're a bad team that you can throw on them. They're not a great passing defense. They're a decent one. They're 57th in passing percentage allowed, which is still under 60%. So uh, this is Missouri I'm talking about. So. This is still a defense that could catch you off guard if you think you can just go in and just throw the ball 40 times mm-hmm. and try to build some confidence. Let him roll with what he saw last week. It worked clearly. And get out of there. Get, get you know Come out with a win and build some more good momentum because I think this defense is going to feast. Uh, DeMarvin Leal and Michael Clemens finished with to- 12 total pressures last week against Bama. And I think they can absolutely get that against Missouri. So. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Jimbo's smart enough to know like what worked last week is the formula moving forward. Yeah. I, I mean, I think they really found uh, what they what they need to look like offensively. What Zach does the best, how the running game can kind of help with that, how the quick passing game can help with that. And I imagine, I would hope that's the game plan moving forward. You beat the number one team in the country, you should use that every single week. Yep. Do you think they're going to run it a, a little bit more, maybe than passing it, just more? because more? Missouri's? So. Oh yeah, no, I, th- I think so. So I think- bad at. at- yeah. Right. I think, yeah, and they should and they should have a lead, which yeah. you know yeah. that, that you know, once you get a lead like that, you really should be running the ball. I, I'd be shocked if we look at the box score and see and it's more, more passes 50-50, yeah. Shocked. Yeah. 
Awesome. Next, we have Texas State hosting Troy this Saturday at 2 p.m. You can watch this game on ESPN+. Plus. The line's at 7.5, and, and Troy is favored. Uh, Ish, if, take it you, away. if you hate offense, you might want to check, check, check this one out. Um, because both offenses are bad, but the difference is Troy's defense is awesome. Their pass rush is insane. That's that's why I think I'm going to go with Troy in this one because and I'm, I'm taking them out. I, I don't know if I'll take Texas State to cover that. I mean, that's a pretty big spread, mm-hmm. so um, maybe. But both offenses can't move the ball at all. Troy has lived and basically lived and died off of what it's done in the pass rush. They are, I believe, 14th in red zone scoring attempts. They only allow two, just over two red zone scoring attempts per game. Sixth in rushing yards per attempt, six point or 2.6. And they're first in sack per, in sack percentage and sacks per game. They average five sacks a game. Javon Solomon and Richard Jibanor, uh, sorry if I pronounced that wrong, both have seven and a half and five sacks this year. They are going to feast. And this is an offensive line that's not very good. Brady McBride does tend to move a little bit, get a little bit jittery in the pocket. So I think he's going to maybe generate some sacks on his own by the fact that he'll probably try to roll out some. I see... This being a very ugly low-scoring game, I could see maybe like a, a 21 to 10, right? Like I could see it being very sloppy. Texas State may eke out a touchdown here and there. They're going to – I think they're going to struggle running the ball even – and I think that's what they're going to want to do. Last week in South Alabama, they basically just said, we're just going to run the entire second half, and it worked. Um, I don't think that's going to work this time. So I'm taking Troy. I don't think either offense is going to be great. But I think that pass rush, specifically those two on the defensive line, are going to be the difference makers. Troy just needs to avoid overtime with Texas State. <laughs> yeah. <and> they're gonna <laughs> Clearly. Be, they're going to be in good shape. Yeah, I. this one just feels like a bad matchup for Texas State. You know, like the things that they struggle to, to do, which yep. is, you know, block, I guess, on offense. <laughs> right. Um, you know, they're coming up against a team that's really, really good at getting after the quarterback. And their quarterback is also known – to throw some interceptions. He had three last week, even in a win. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be up to Brady McBride to kind of have a mature game. I think the more um, they kind of just take this as a field possession, play some defense, um, know that Troy's not going to put up 40 or 50 points on their own either. They can stay in this game and keep it close. Even if sure. they're getting dominated, if it's only 14-3 or 14-6 going into the fourth quarter, you know, things can be there. Um, so, from a betting standpoint, I kind of think this may be close enough to take Texas State plus seven and a half just mm-hmm. because I don't feel like Troy's going to put up enough points to make that ridiculous. But it's hard to imagine Texas State winning this outright just because, like Ish said, that offensive line against this Troy defensive line is going to be a tough, tough matchup. Up next, we have Baylor hosting number 19 BYU this Saturday at 2.30 p.m. This game will be broadcasted on ESPN, and the line is at six and a half. Baylor is favored. And RG3 is coming back to town to be a part of the broadcast. So that'll be interesting to see, too. There you go. It'll be a homecoming for him and a a reunion of Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos, former OC and offensive line coach at BYU, facing their old teams. So, Craven, this is the game you're going to be at, the big one this weekend for you. What are you looking for in this game? Yeah, I mean, it's a future Big 12 matchup, so I think that's kind of cool. We get to kind of see these two teams go uh, go together kind of quick, quicker than, you know, we would have imagined previously. So that'll be a, that'll be fun. Um, yeah, I think it's about the offensive line, Gary Bohannon, keeping, you know, keeping control of the football, not turning the ball over. Uh, but with, with Baylor in there, just the, the 
the ability of their offensive line and how well they've played this year with that wide zone running scheme compared to what they've been for the last few years. Because even in the Matt Rule year where they were really good, the offensive line wasn't a strength at all. It was still one of the weak points of that team. Um, You know, we've talked about how Charlie Brewer got hit so often and all that kind of stuff. So this is one of the better offensive lines of Baylor in a long time. It's hard to attribute it to anything else other than coaching. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, you look at that Grimes, Mateos kind of, um history at BYU there's a lot of variables in this game that'll be that'll be fun to watch so I don't imagine many wrinkles I think this will be a a pretty old school tough kind of hard-nosed game where both teams try to establish the run and both teams try to take away the run from the other team yeah I think that Baylor's gonna have some success running the ball the question I have and I wonder if this is why the line is what it is I'm curious how good BYU actually is obviously they lost a lot so the fact that they are where they are is pretty impressive uh job by Kalani Sataki regardless but you know they've played their two, two big wins are Utah and Arizona State Utah had a basically a negative offense and that's you know Charlie Brewer ended up leaving they ended up making a quarterback change they've been better since Arizona State I again that's another one where I'm looking at the schedule and I'm like okay well how good's Arizona State you look at rankings and you just say oh well Arizona State's 21st or whatever and it's like okay well does that mean that we expected them to be good or are they actually good you know that's kind of the the give and take you have with these rankings so I think personally that's why you you look at Baylor and you you see like okay I see I think more impressive wins when it comes to mm-hmm. Baylor's resume than I do um, uh, BYU's I see of course a lost Oklahoma State but I see a win over Iowa State I see a convincing win over West Virginia I I think that's why they're leaning Baylor when look when you come to the, the spread and I think that I would I, I feel the same way I feel like Baylor's going to be able to control the ball with what they do. And we've seen Gary Bahannon, except for one game, and I'm starting. I'm really starting to think that Oklahoma State was just a really good defense. We've seen him be able to move the ball vertically as well as horizontally in the running game and keep things to himself. So, I'll take Baylor. Um, I think it's going to be a very interesting game to see if Kalani Sataki kind of has a counter to what Jeff Grimes is doing, knowing that that was his offense last year. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, they're averaging 13 more points a game this year, Baylor is, mm-hmm. than they did last year. Last year, they were averaging 2.4 yards a rush this year at six. Yeah. So um, they're, they're playing a lot better. Um, I really like Bohannon and what he's kind of grown into being, you know, and he found another target last week. And so I think Baylor's, I think Baylor's on a roll and at home, I, I feel like the Bears cover on this one. Yep. Agreed. Up next, we have Texas Tech traveling to Kansas this Saturday at 3 p.m watch this game on big 12 network or espn plus line is at 16 and a half texas tech is favored this should be a burner game for texas yeah, I was, tech i was gonna say you could you, you mentioned where you can watch don't watch this game please yeah, don't. <laughs> don't don't watch this game this I'm, i'll just ask you this Craven. we don't have to spend too much time on this tech you better win um <laughs> what are you what are you looking for from texas tech in this game I mean, honestly, in a, in a game against Kansas, it's like when you're playing a, an out-of-conference game early against an opponent you should win. It, right. It's just a matter of showing up, right? Mm-hmm. Like, after a loss last week, does Texas Tech kind of sleepwalk through this one knowing that it's Kansas and they just don't look like they're playing any inspired football? Or does it look like a team that's trying to, like, chase things bigger than just beating Kansas? Because that schedule gets really tough the last four games of the year. Mm-hmm. If you come out and play well against Kansas, I, I know from the outside it won't be seen as anything, but inside that locker room you can go, look, we had a, a good performance, we played that well this week, and we can carry it on to the next one. Um, and if not, I just think those doubts and the the hot seat and the, the noises coming out of Lubbock just get louder and louder and louder. So if I'm a Texas Tech fan, I just want them to take care of business. I want them yeah. to show up and play a clean 
hard, easy game against a team you're supposed to blow out and just do what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I was looking, I was trying to figure out, okay, what is there anything Kansas does decently? And I found one. Uh, they apparently get good starting field position. They average around the 30. Uh, the problem is they don't score from that field yeah. position. Uh, I mentioned the echo rate. They're 96 in the country <laughs> on getting the ball into the end zone. So despite having great field, or pretty good field position, that's top 40 in the country. They can't do anything that field, with it. So. That field position is probably because they're uh, returning. You know, they're just getting the ball at the 25 after kneeling after they're giving up a touchdown. <laughs> probably. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on to a more interesting well, game, Mallory. I was going to say, too, Texas Tech – they need this win because yeah. that would put them at five wins, and then they yeah. only need one more to go bowling. Yeah. So, and, and for Matt was, Wells's sake, was, they need to go bowling. I was about to say that is, yeah, that was definitely the minimum requirement for this year. It was like at least you have to go bowling yes. this year. Yeah. So there's that. Up next, we have UTSA hosting Rice this Saturday at 5 p.m. You can watch this game on ESPN Plus, and man, the lines at 18 and a half. UTSA Oof. is favored. Yeah, this one's tricky because. UTSA, I mean, I mentioned it earlier this year, UTSA hadn't really had a, a, a resume of pummeling teams mm -hmm. until this year. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm really, the reason why I said it's tricky is because Rice's schedule has been so weird. They've either played teams where they're heavily underdogs or they're like, oh, they should, yeah, they should definitely win, right? Southern Miss, uh, TSU, and their set their stats are really skewed in there because it's like oh rice is actually really terrible against the run i was like well they played houston and texas like i don't know what do you, you know like <laughs> i don't know what you want from them and it's like against you against southern miss and tsu they were pretty decently against the run yeah. so i don't know i think utsa is going to win clearly but i wonder I, i'm kind of curious how right is I, I i don't know is this gonna be a game where frank harris maybe comes out a little bit more because i think rice might be actually pretty good against the run so um, you know, I think this is, it, it's going to be a big moment for UTSA as well. I, uh, I, from all the hype on Twitter, it looks like that, uh, their tickets are selling really, really well for this one. So mm -hmm. that's going to be a hyped up stadium. Um, Craven, what are you thinking about for this one? You know, I mean, on paper, UTSA should win this one, you know, going away. But right. the thing I worry about with UTSA, you know, they, they played a six point game against Western Kentucky, a seven point game against a winless UNLV team three-point game against Memphis. You know, they haven't really beaten a team by more than one possession since a month ago yeah. uh, when they played Middle Tennessee State. And that was also at home. So, you know, maybe they replicate that performance. Kind of like what we were talking about coming out of the Texas OU game, I feel like that game last week was probably pretty draining for this team. It was a big win. It was a close win. They gave up a lot of points. They scored a lot. Um, so it's just a matter of if, well, kind of like we were talking about with Texas Tech against Kansas. you got to come out early and establish – that you are the better team. The longer that Rice sticks around in this, uh, kind of like the UNLV game, it'll become this tight game because UTSA isn't built to just go down there and score 40, 50 points. I know they did last week, but that, that's not that's not the way that this team is constructed. They want to run the ball, dominate on defense, uh, and slowly pull away from teams. So I think if you're the roadrunners, you just want a quick start. You want to kind of take away any kind of semblance of an upset because Rice is coming off an off week. They've had mm -hmm. two weeks to prepare for this. They're going to be ready for this game. A, a win against UTSA could really put Rice on the map and really spoil UTSA's uh, a season, and I'm sure that's motivation inside the Owls locker room. So um, you give the ball to Sincere McCormick, you avoid uh, turnovers, and, and you know you play sound defense, and that should be enough to beat a Rice team that's not as talented as UTSA. Craven, I got a question for you. Yep. There are 13 undefeated FBS teams, that, and, and, and 12 of them are ranked. Do you think UTSA should be ranked if they come up with win number seven this week? 
I mean, I'm biased. I mean, I, 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 clearly, <laughs> I, 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 think, I think that they should, you know, like, kind of like we were talking about last week, if not now, then when, right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I worry that it, you know, cause any loss that they have, even if they finish 11 and one, they're not going to be ranked. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, they're this, the schedule gets tougher. The odds of them staying undefeated for longer, you know, decrease mm-hmm. as the season goes on. So, uh, yeah, I, I do think that they're deserving to be ranked, but I also have been call- following college football long enough to understand why they're not. Yeah, yeah. I think one the they're definitely going to be very happy to play Rice this week after going up against uh, that offense last week because Jeez. Rice is virtually almost unless you're going you know outside of the triple option, you can't get more different of an offense. This is going to be a game played between the hashes, and Rice mm-hmm. is going to happily line up an I formation and run the ball, and UTSA is going to be like, thank God <laughs> they we're can- done with five <laughs> wide and four <laughs> wide for a week. <laughs> I love it. Up next, we have TCU traveling to number 12, Oklahoma, this Saturday. That's not right. Oklahoma is not number 12, are they? I don't know why I had number 12 on here. Um, I think they're Oklahoma's number four. You put this together. I know. I messed up. I'm sorry. (laughs) TCU traveling to Oklahoma this week, this Saturday at 6.30 p.m. You can watch this game on ABC. OU is favored by 13 and a half. Hey, Craven, have you found out who Oklahoma's starting quarterback is because Lincoln Riley won't open his practices? Yeah. Well, you just need some binoculars and a tall building, and you can uh, <laughs> you can get journalism done in the modern age. Yeah. They are four. Ma- uh, Mallory's predicting an Oklahoma loss because she already has them dropping. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I think, you know what? I think I had them... <laughs> Had them down at Oklahoma's, you know. Yes, they're they are number four. Just to correct myself, yes, they are number four. <laughs> See, that just means rankings don't matter on the show. Anymore. Yeah, I guess not. Um, but no, I we mean, are anti rankings. Yeah. I'm fine with being oh, the show that's anti rankings. Should, should I take I, them out next time? I feel like we're a little on <laughs> edge with the stance, rankings now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> rankings don't matter. <laughs> they don't matter unless, except if you're UTSA. <laughs> I was about to say, they don't. They don't matter unless it you're not goes in our favor. So you know, we'll keep we'll keep that stance going. I love it. Star, uh, stars matter. Rankings don't. Yes. There you go, oh, my man. All like right. It. So, obviously, Caleb Williams is going to be the guy. Um, thank you to the Oklahoma Daily, OU Daily to that put that out, the student newspaper that courageously spied on Oklahoma's practice <laughs> from my public building very smartly. I really respect those kids. Um, and then proceeded to have Lincoln Riley get all mad and upset and cancel media availability because he didn't want people knowing the obvious, which is the freshman quarterback that you started in the second half against Texas that won you the game is going to continue starting. So, um, yeah, this one's going to be rough because I don't think TC wants to get in a shootout, and I think a shootout is the only way they win this game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I honestly, I, I just feel like the way Oklahoma – I think you nailed it. I, I, I don't think that they want to get in a shootout because then you got to pass the ball more often than you'd want to. But the way to score points and beat Oklahoma is to pass the ball. Yeah. Um, you know, given that you can block their pass rush, which Texas wasn't able to do in the second half. So I think if you're TCU, um, you kind of flip the game plan, right? Instead of banging your head against the wall early, maybe pass some early, take some D shots down the field. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you create some explosive plays. And then the running game that you want to rely on comes around a little bit more, maybe in the late second quarter into the second half, you can start really using that combination of Miller and Evans to, to wear down that Oklahoma defense at, at the end. To me, it's this is more about the Oklahoma offense versus the TCU defense. We've yeah. talked all year long about this isn't the normal Horn Frogs defense, but they're improving. You know, Hodges, Hodges Tomlinson playing safety has kind of helped that secondary settle down a little bit. He's mm-hmm. helping, you know, keep the, the big plays down. They did a really good job last week against Texas Tech in a lot of ways and kind of eliminating the big play. Um, so it's going to be about, 
figuring out what to do with against Marvin Mims, and maybe that is putting Tomlinson on him out of the safety position or in the slot, uh, and then stopping Kennedy Brooks. And I do feel like TCU um, can handle the Oklahoma offense to an extent. It's just if they can score enough points on the other side. Yeah, that's my thing. I think that I do wonder – I mean, it's hard to take how much, you know, last week – because now, you know, obviously Caleb Williams has film on him. So, like, you know, how much does that help TCU in, in, in that favor, in that regard? How much does it really matter if their offense just is clicking on another level? Like, can they just overcome any deficiencies that teams may see from that film? Because it's hard to pick apart when he came in, right? Because, like, he played almost flawlessly. And it's it's really hard to see, like, ah, you could take advantage of this. Because it was such a short – it's kind of the, the, the trouble with, you know, uh, kind of the small sample size is that – I'm curious how a defensive coordinator would diagnose that second half because they they were going against a team that did not expect to see Caleb Williams probably that you know he, they kind of let him was able to let him do whatever and the game plan wasn't really catered around him either so I'm curious about what Gary Patterson will see to 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 say okay here's how we can make this guy uncomfortable here's how we can do x y and z because what Caleb Williams did was Spencer Rattler could move in the pocket, but he wasn't mobile, if that makes sense. He moves around backwards behind the line of scrimmage. Caleb Williams is a, is absolutely a running threat and a rushing threat. And that's something now you got to account for. He, at least through a couple games, or that game, he did not turn the ball over, which is something that you kind of benefited from when Spencer Rattler was there. And so I think defensive, or offensively, they should be okay. I think this will be a game where... I wouldn't be shocked if the losing team, I expect that to be TCU, but I wouldn't be shocked if the losing team has like 24 to 28 points. But also, I think the winning team could have anywhere from 30 to 50. Um, you know, the D, I just don't think the defense has taken enough strides to maybe make up for where this Oklahoma offense now is because it, it, was, it became clear that with this offensive line for Oklahoma that they needed something to change a quarterback because Rattler couldn't handle the pressure that was coming at him and dealing with that and then holding onto the ball. I don't know if TCU's pass rush is good enough to take advantage of a bad offensive line. And I think Caleb Williams might be better suited to deal with whatever does come his way. I do think he's going to see some different stuff in Gary Patterson though. Cause Pete oh, yeah. Kukowski at Texas just stayed in that too deep safety look shell mm-hmm. over the top. Uh, didn't really get a lot of pressure on Caleb Williams. Um, you know, kind of allowed, the running game to have numbers for Oklahoma because he was trying to prevent the big play and, and the comeback. So I do think we see Gary Patterson crowd the line of scrimmage, try to take away the running game, not only of Kennedy Brooks, but of Caleb Williams and go, look, if this true freshman beats us over the top with great throws, I mean, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I do think he faces a different challenge this week uh, than he did last week against Texas. He's a five-star recruit who was like the number one player in his recruiting class. He, he's a legit guy. So, yeah. He probably can overcome those, but we're going to have to find out. He's going to see something different this week than he saw last week. Whether that stops him or not, I don't know, uh, but he is going to have to kind of overcome a new problem. And that's that's what Gary Patterson, I think, is best at, mm-hmm. is creating problems for opposing quarterbacks. Sure. Last up on the slate, we have UTEP hosting La Tech this Saturday at 8 p.m. You can watch this game on ESPN+. Plus. The line is at seven, and LaTeX is favored in this game. Before we break, before we break this down, I just want to say it's so great having UTEP back to being like good or at least watchable. Yes, because mm-hmm. it kind of gives us like a Texas after dark situation yeah, where 
other games are ending, you know, that maybe have bigger national significance, but you can always kind of lean back on watching the minors at 11 o'clock at night. I love that. Well, yeah. and this could be the game where they secure a bowl game, you know, yeah. so oh, man. it's going to be an interesting game. Yeah. Stakes. I think, I think to me, I was, so I was looking up some things for this game. Cause you remember La Tech, obviously their offense is great. They yeah. can move the ball. I wonder about, I wondered about how TCU or how UTEP would deal with this. And so I was looking up, okay, how good are they against the pass? I mentioned passing percentage allowed this year. UTEP, sixth in the country. They allow 51% against the pass. They are pretty dang good. I knew this defense was what this team hinged on. I did not know they were quite that good. Again, you're talking about Georgia when you're talking about teams, the teams that are left ahead of them. And so... I think that they're going to be pretty. I think they're going to be, they're going to be able to handle. I think what LaTeX throws at them. So, I, I, I'm going to say that they get it done. I'm going to say that they pull off the win because they're, of course there there are still questions about oh how how you know, strength of their schedule X Y Z you know they've beaten who's on their schedule sure whatever. So I think that there's going to be still that inkling of motivation behind them to really beat a team that's really solid and really really uh and kind of make a statement it's at home i think there's a lot there's the most hype in years behind this program i think you know guys like praise amalue amawule sorry um are gonna have a big game on defense on defense and i think that this offense is gonna make enough big plays to catch la tech off guard i wouldn't be surprised if they jump out to an early lead and i think that's where they would be most comfortable if this is like I want to. I I feel like if they play to get this like fourteen nothing off the back, they can cruise because I do think if LaTeX is pressing a little bit, as we saw uh, earlier this year, um, I'm trying to think of the LaTeX game I'm, I'm thinking of where they had to press and all of a sudden they're making mistakes and I think UTEP's defense is good enough to capitalize. So I'm gonna go UTEP outright. I think they get wow. it done this week. Yeah, I think that's pretty bold. That's bold, sir. I uh, I hope you're right. I, my concern would be if UTEP can keep up scoring wise, right? Like sure. if that defense doesn't shut law tech down, if the turnovers don't come, if they don't create um, some great field position or maybe score special teams wise, can UTEP's offense score 25, 26 plus points? Um, I'm not sure that it, it can against a quality defense. We'll kind of find that out maybe more Saturday. Cause I do think law tech is going to score. I don't, sure. I don't sure. think this will be, you know, like 17, 14 or something like that. So it'll be up to the miners to to create some big plays, which they're capable of doing. Mm-hmm. They're just going to have to do that against a higher quality quality of of uh, team this week. Yeah, I think uh, SMU was the game I was referencing where they SMU got on them early, and then LaTeX kind of kind of had to struggle, and they made some mistakes. And I know Austin Kendall was knocked out of that game, so it was a little bit of or I don't know if he was knocked out of that game. I think it was North Texas he didn't play against, um, and they kind of struggled in that game too. So I I do wonder about. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just do wonder about La Tech if they do get in situations where they need to press a little bit more. I think that's where UTEP's defense allows them to take advantage. And I think UTEP's offense, again, down to down, not the prettiest, right? They're going to run the ball. They're going to probably dink and dunk. But when they take those shots deep, I think that's where La Tech is very vulnerable. And I think that's where UTEP, it feels weird to say this. I think UTEP's one of the best team in the country, teams in the country when they decide to look deep and they hit those big plays. Jacob Cowing, Justin Garrett. I think like that's that's kind of what gives me uh, uh, confidence in this game is that I think they have the X factors and the right matchups in certain in certain um, situations on the field to be able to break this game open early. If this if those if those plays don't happen and it is more of a down for down uh, matchup with LaTeX, I think LaTeX wins it. But I'm taking the confidence that 
They're at home in the sun in the in the Sun Bowl. I think they're going to take some deep shots early, just kind of get this crowd into it and keep them motivated. So, and you know, we're so getting... let me let me ask you this: what? Yeah. So what? Where would I have to set the wins and losses total for you to take uh, the over? Would it? I mean, would you take over seven? Because they still have Rice, they still have North Texas. If you okay. have them beating Louisiana Tech, Man. I mean, this team can get to eight and four. Yeah. Well, that was one of my questions, too. I mean, do you think they're still going to have that fire if they do hit that bowl game? Is it just oh. going to be kind of a mental so, thing where so it's I like, think, oh. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I think they'll be so euphoric. It'll just like carry them They'll just keep so going. The pro- so the problem with it, the problem with that is, oh, not the problem with that. The I think that the problem comes, I think, in the next two weeks. Yeah. I think they'll, they might hit that euphoric high. And then I think they get humbled the next two weeks. They get FAU and they get UTSA. And I think it comes back for you for UNT for Rice and potentially there. I don't think I'll set the O. I thought I don't think I'd go over if you gave me seven and a half. Um, I think I would not be shocked if they maybe stumble against North Texas or Rice. Um, it's just not projecting ahead right now where UTEP still is. I don't know if I can necessarily guarantee like that's a win, that's a win, that's a win. Right? I think that. Obviously, North Texas isn't playing great, but if Rice, I don't know. Maybe it's just the perception of of of, of UTEP. I should say. Um, I don't know if it's a perception of UTEP where I just don't feel confident projecting that far ahead to be like, oh yeah, they got those two wins down the line at Rice and, and UNT. So I don't know. I think I would still go under. It's gonna be fun to find out. It's not a conversation I thought we'd be having. No, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, maybe they get to four or five. <laughs> You know, you know, we're getting deeper into the season too. All the games that they've won have been winnable games. You know, it's kind of yeah. maybe start time for them to pull off the upset a little bit. Yeah, that's true. That's true. The, all the games that they've won have been like, yeah, they should, they should probably win that yeah. one. So, yeah, this one. I mean, they've been quote unquote uh, underdogs before. They've been underdogs before. I mean, but it was Boise State, and that's really it. Yeah, I was trying to think. They were favored against New Mexico State. They're favored against New Mexico. Were they favored against ODU? I think yes. they, they were okay, favored they were against ODU because they were so, favored, I think, three weeks in a row before this true. week. Yeah, we made a thing about that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's weird have a it's weird to be kind of talking about. Oh, they're an underdog. That's interesting because they're used to always being an underdog. But it's definitely a game to watch. I'm putting on the minor hat this week. I'm saying they're getting your it minor done. shirt, <laughs> minor shirt, minor hat, minor everything. <laughs> By the way, Barrick Neely sent us our care package to uh, Dave Campbell Studios. Um, nice. <laughs> he still he still has his UTEP gear. So um, <laughs> if you're listening to this, Coach, we'll gladly rep your minors, and I'm taking your minors this weekend. So <laughs> I love go. it. Love it. All right. That'll do it for the week. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Craven's going to be at BYU at Baylor, future Big 12 matchup. That should be a really, really mm-hmm. fun one. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for this week. Um, I hope, I hope, I hope we end Texas After Dark with UTEP being bowl eligible. Yes. Yeah, this will be a fun one. Anyway, Mike, got anything else for us? Uh, no, sir. Driving up to Denton on Friday and then back down to Waco, so it'll be a, be a fun weekend. Awesome. I'll last be in Denton word. on Friday, too. There you go. But I'll be at Denton Geyer. Oh, okay, there you yeah. go. I was about to ask for the last words from Mallory, so yeah. you'll, be at De- uh, you'll be at Denton Geyer, so mm-hmm. there you go. All right, well, we will talk to you guys. All three of us, I believe, will be back on the Sunday edition. I know Mallory had to step out last weekend, but she should be back with us for this weekend's Sunday edition. Uh, we will talk to you guys then.